Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks on the block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. Detroit Kool-Aid, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers Friday. We are back in the house on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast talking all things Detroit Lions like we always do on a Friday. And we got the other man on the other end of the line, the tag team partner of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast of our two-man team here. It's the one and only Grifka. Grifka, what's going on, buddy? Oh, man, you know how it is. It's Friday. Uh, Weather report. Uh, Once again, it's going to be warming up again this weekend. Looking at the low 90s with heavy humidity. So uh, as opposed to going outside, stay inside where it's nice and cool. Where you have your air conditioning. Um, I'm sure there's probably some, uh, you know, some sports starting up. I believe uh, there's soccer back on somewhere. You can find that. Uh, and uh, there's some golf with no fans. If you like watching golf on TV, feel free to do that. Other than that, TGIF. Grifka, I, I know I've said you can't, you know, talk about the short sport we shall not speak of, but don't try to s- slide soccer in here. I mean, that's just as bad. Oh I mean, what a horrible sport. <laughs> what a horrible freaking sport that hey, is. Hey, I'm grasping at straws for live sports right now. I'd rather watch <laughs> soccer than watch a bunch of cars drive in a circle. No no offense to NASCAR fans. If you like watching cars go in a circle, cool. But uh, that's not my thing. I'm sure I'm going to upset our soccer fans out there but the fact that the people over in europe call that football is disrespectful on so many levels i mean i gotta say it grifka we're talking about the real game of football today i'm sure i think we promised the people a, a rant but i'm sure you got some other things that'll get me upset today what, what do we got on a friday well let's do this uh, i know we talked about it last show i am Dying to know. Let's just get this right out of the way, just so we can get down and get your uh, here we go. You know, get your blood from boiling later. But I'm really dying to know what you think about Mike Fiorio from was it NBC Sports or whatever saying that why NFL rookies are signing this year? Why don't they just go back into the draft? Uh, I I know how I feel about it. I think it's dumb, but uh, I'm dying to know how you feel about it. Griffka, is this is this a real question? You really doing this to me right now? Oh yeah, because I think uh, I think your salt intake hasn't you know, hasn't been up that much, and uh, you know, so I, I think you'll be okay. Grifka, I know we only talk football, but you know, want you want to know something about my salt intake right now? Yeah, definitely. Grifka, I'm like three weeks into intermittent fasting, bro. I only eat between the hours of two and eight. And go 18 hours without eating. It's the greatest thing I've ever done. It's tremendous. So my salt, my wow. health, my eating is awesome. I've nailed it every day. I think I'm almost at 500 hours of fasting over the last couple of weeks. Congratulations, man. That's big time. <laughs> I, you know, hats off to you. 
really it's it's that's easy amazing. to do man. i don't think it's, i could do that it's been tremendous real easy but anyway enough about fasting and stuff that doesn't have to do with football i got my sights on mike florio this freaking clown this pro football focused jabron i mean not pro football focus sorry scratch that pro football talk this guy he goes on his podcast which this i mean you think our show might have some issues at times grifka this guy does a podcast. he probably makes millions of dollars he does a podcast from his what he calls the barn which I don't know if that's his man cave or if it's some place where his wife kicks him out of the house and he has to sit out there and do a show. It sounds like he's got an antenna tied to a tin can, horrible quality. While he's talking to these top-level NFL athletes, his Facebook messenger keeps making that big annoying ding sound as loud as possible. Like, hey, Florio, do you know how to turn the mute button on your phone, you freaking moron? But the big rant I got about him is this guy went on a big thing. He He's this pompous, arrogant lawyer who, like, he always has some legal slant, always wants to try to be that little weasel that you see in all these companies who wants to find the loopholes, wants to talk only about dollars and cents and why everything should be capitalist. So his, his most recent take was that, the, all these NFL rookies, because of the pandemic, because of all these question marks with the testing and will there be games, will there not, his advice was they should just not sign their contracts, not play all season, and re-enter the draft next year. So first of all, is that not the most weaselly thing that you could do? This is the same guy that goes on his show every once in a while and gets on his soapbox, his Grifka soapbox, about how... The draft shouldn't even be the draft. College players should just get to sign with whatever NFL team they want. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Mike Florey. I'm sure that would lead to a lot of parody in the NFL, you freaking clown. But this guy, I mean, could you imagine if Bob Quinn wasn't on his game and have Okuda, Swift, Okwara, Jackson, Stenberg, Huntley, Cephas, all inked up, and Penasini, I think, is also inked up. Have all those guys inked up already? Could you imagine if those guys played this pompous game like Mike Florio was telling them to not sign because they don't want to play in Detroit, go back in the draft because this is a crazy year? I mean, thank goodness Bob Quinn has his head on his shoulders, got these people signed. I know it doesn't happen often, but the fact that he even bring this up and act like this is a great business strategy or, you know, his legal counsel would tell them to not sign and to go ahead and, 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 and sit out the entire year so they could get redrafted by another team. Yeah, I'm sure that would work out real well. I'm sure there'd be 32 teams chomping at the bit for people that pulled that kind of garbage on, on the team that took them and was willing to pay them multi-millions. Grifka, don't give me some retort about how, well, I could see this happening to the Lions, but thank goodness they didn't sign, or it would happen It would happen to us that maybe somebody would do that. Mike Florio has no clue what he's talking about. The guy needs to go back to the courtroom and get out of the football game when he has opinions and takes like that. Absolutely terrible. I mean, ridiculous. Yeah, that's just dumb. I really have to agree with you on that. But just one quick question for you. Did he actually say, because I guess I don't follow him or listen to his podcast, did he actually say that college players should be allowed to sign really wherever they want? 
yes, this is this guy's every draft season. He brings it up like it's this brilliant idea. It's like, you don't think anybody else has thought about that? You don't think that the league knows that's a horrible idea because everybody would be signing with, I don't know, Grifka, what are some of those teams that players might sign with just because? Well, yeah, I could see, uh, you know, teams like the Dallas Cowboys, Green Bay Packers, Pittsburgh Steelers, New York Giants, New England Patriots. They're obviously going to get a run on the best players, you know, around. And come on, really? That's got to be one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. I mean, this isn't like, you know, 1920 sports where it's just like this guy like, oh, you're good. You can go sign with this guy because, you know, this team paid you a lot of money. I mean, that's cash. I'm I'm sure what you said, he's a lawyer, so I'm sure he's smart. But that's got to be one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. There's a difference between being smart and being a pompous a-hole that thinks that they can just, you know, everybody should make as much as they want, all they want. There should be no rules, anarchy in the world. Just do whatever the hell you want as long as it, it benefits you. Like, no, that's not how things work, Mike Florio, because there would be absolute just ridiculousness going on, not only in the world of sports, but everywhere if this guy had his way. And this is just one of the, those examples. Like, no, you have to put things in, in position so that there's a fairness and the fairest way to do it. This is why I, I blew my gasket over the NHL draft a few weeks ago because they came up with all these cockamamie rules to make it entertaining. And what did it do? It cost the Detroit Red Wings the number one pick and dropped them to four. Why? Just because they made up some stupid rule when the worst team should have the best chance to get number one. That's why the NFL gets it right. That's why Mike Florio has no idea what he's talking about. And if the Detroit Lions lost out on a talent like Okuda or Swift because he put this type of idea in their brain and they went back into the draft and we missed out on these talents, I'd have even a bigger issue than I already do. Okay, rant over uh, Grifko. What else we got? Tired of talking about Hold on, that I, guy. I gotta put that soapbox away really quick. I had to let you borrow it. So there you go. It's back put in his closet. So um back on the Wednesday show, um we uh, mentioned um Pat Mahomes from my uh Friday solo show in his contract. But uh I know this isn't lines related, but uh what do you think about Miles Garrett and this, the contract extension he just signed? I mean, it's gonna say seven years, hundred and forty four million but it also includes his last two years of his rookie contract. So it's really more of a five-year 125. Now, um, how do you feel about that contract? I, think he's, I mean, he's good. And uh, I know that's a hot take that you love when I do that. You know, he's good. But uh, that, uh, <laughs> uh, what do you think? you think that's too much? Or, I mean, there's a lot of talent on that Cleveland team that they're paying. So are you okay with this contract? Could you? Would you be okay with it if it was the Lions doling out that money? Oh, Griffin, I'm still trying to recover from Wednesday where you got on some big tangents. I was just trying to have a little fun with you about your solo show and you got all uptight on me. And, and then you actually ended the segment by saying you were surprised of that I was supportive and that I had a, a, I don't know if it was a positive thought or was supportive of what Pat Mahomes got. And, and now you want me to evaluate, uh, you know, this contract, like, I don't know where you think I am when it comes to contracts and players, but obviously you've got it a little confused. I think you're not quite for sure. But yeah, Miles Garrett's another guy that other than the crazy swinging of the helmet and, and a few of the off the field type deals that he's had, he's a superior athlete. He's a physical specimen. He plays defensive end. He gets 15 plus sacks basically a year now on average. It seems like he's unblockable. I, I, I got no issues. I haven't broken this one down to a T. I mean, I'm still a little hesitant to be paying defensive players like 
you know, non-quarterbacks, 20, 25 million, whatever it may be. But this is another guy. He fits all my parameters. Prime of his career, physical freak, position of need, premier position, attack, attacks the quarterback. You either have to play quarterback or attack the quarterback to get the premier money. No problem. It surprised me that they went out that big for a guy that was still working his way through some, some, you know, issues. And he's super intelligent off the field. I mean, does he love football? Is he a, is he a dog, Grifka? I mean, I don't know, but I think he's got enough dog tendencies for me to break out the checkbook. Yeah, I got no problems with this. So you'd be okay with it if it was like a Lions contract and they did that for Miles Garrett. I'm not just saying you know, for any old defensive end, but you'd be okay if the Lions took this contract on or if they signed this one. Now, what, what's the yearly workout to be, do you know? Well, it's like, like I said, it's, uh, it takes his last two, but it's like five, one twenty-five. but I haven't seen like the breakdown. If it's like pro rate, you know, really backloaded, you know, something like that. So five year, one twenty-five is more the extent, more the extension. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, guarantees play into it a little bit. You know, is it is it half guaranteed? Is it, you know, almost fully guaranteed? That would play a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, Miles Garrett is on the Detroit Lions killing quarterbacks like Miles Garrett is and, and has this type of physical profile and, and age and production. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with paying him that because, again, as you said, my stroke of brilliance was when I told you the Matt Stafford deal. If these are anywhere in the ballpark and the guy you expect to be an absolute beast for the next, you know, five or the duration of the contract, all, all that's going to happen is the cap keeps going up and these are going to get more and more palatable. That that applies most to quarterbacks, but my next rung down would be defensive end and then probably my next rung down would be left tackle or cornerback. So, yeah, he's on my second rung of guys I'm willing to pay crazy money to. Um, if they're productive and at the right spot of their career. So, yeah, I would I would love Detroit Lions had a physical beast like Miles Garrett. Yeah, that would that uh, you know me. I'm kind of willing to back up the Brings truck for anybody. So, yep, Lions had this contract. Bring it on in for Miles Garrett. I'm we, okay with <laughs> we, we do have a beast, Grifka, by the way. His name's Trey Flowers. I know you only liked him before we signed him, and now you just beat him up because he doesn't have 20 sacks a year. But – He's same age, same physical profile, a little bit less athletic, and has a little less production, you know, than Miles Garrett. But I expect Trey Flowers to be a. I think once Miles Garrett signed, I saw a thing on Twitter at Derek Oakry on Twitter that uh, you know Miles Garrett's contract moved Flowers to like the sixth edge rusher, I believe already. So you can imagine where he'll be in a couple years when he's like 28 years old and killing it for our team. He'll probably be like the 12th highest by that point so that'll be nice okay yeah that will be so um, you can stop one more question for you before we uh stop to pay a few bills here um bleacher report i know i don't know if you follow bleacher report i was just kind of like some stuff here and there um they came out with their new mock draft you know they've done probably like three or four since uh since the uh nfl draft this year but uh their new one has the Detroit Lions picking at number seven. And they have the Detroit Lions taking, let me know if you've heard of this guy, Trey Lance, quarterback out of North Dakota State. Chris what do you K. know about Trey Lance? And uh, I know you've you've said on a prior show, you've started to prep for the next year's draft. So what you know about Trey Lance? 
Grifka, you know what I know? And and the fact that you're throwing this in my face, it lets me just get after you a little bit because the, the Oakry draft room is already up and running for 2021. So I have Trey Lance on my board at quarterback right now, very early in the process, all the way down at the, I think that's the 11th or 12th quarterback. Uh, I know he's been talked about as kind of being, you know, in that top five once it's all said and done, you know, moving ahead of some of the juniors and other people that I have up there right now. I mean, I can't say I've I put my eyes on him a ton, but I, he's obviously on my ranking board. I mean, the Detroit Lions are going to be per- picking seventh first and foremost. So to bleach your report, I mean, I got to say this. That drives me freaking blockers. Like, just taking that garbage thing, we, we only won a few games, what, 2019, so in 2021, we're going to be horrible too. I don't buy that. I think we got a good football team. I think this year is going to be crazy. But the Detroit Lions aren't going and getting a quarterback. Like, if we have a horrible year, I bet you Sheila Ford Hamp is just going to chalk it up to, you know, terrible circumstances and still look at Matt Stafford at 33-some years old and say... He's healthy. He can throw it all over the yard. He's paid for the next two years after that. So Trey Lance isn't going to be a Detroit Lion. I can tell you that right now. And the Lions aren't going to be picking seventh. And don't try to call me out on my draft stuff, Grifka, when you know I already got I already got a bunch of work done here at the old DTO scouting office. I, I know you do. And to be honest with you, I was hoping you would tell me a little more because I only saw one, to be honest with you, you know, Lions fans, I only saw one North North Dakota State game last year. It was one of those early games that was showing when there wasn't a good big-time game. So ESPN put them on against, like, North Dakota or South Dakota State. I think it's one of their big rivals. So they showed that. So I did see a little bit of Trey Lance there. So once again, Derek, I was hoping that you point me in the right direction so I could <laughs> piggyback you later on saying, yes, I knew everything about Trey Lance. The only thing I did read, though, with this is that some people are actually thinking that he may be better than Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, which uh, right now I don't know what those people are thinking, but uh, uh, I can't see anybody being better than Trevor Lawrence at this point. Grifka, to all those people, I mean, come on, we just sum it up for him. What the hell are you doing? I, Griffka, this is how the Oakry scouting works. Like we're, we're not watching tape on these guys this early. You're trying to get names on the board. You're trying to have people ranked. I mean, this kid's a red shirt sophomore, so he's off the radar still, you know, in regards to knowing a ton about him, you get everything slotted as far as position and players in the scheme. And then, you know, during and after the college seasons, when you actually start sort of digging in, like I said, I, I've always told you I'm not a college football watcher per se, unless I'm doing work on it or unless it's Michigan Wolverine. So I literally probably won't lay my eyes on Trey Lance at a high level until, you know, mid or after college football is over. But he's, he's not going to be a Detroit Lion. The Detroit Lions have a quarterback. So all these stupid reports. I mean, the worst case scenario is we have an awful season. Matt Stafford bangs his back up again. He decides to hang it up, and then we're going ahead and getting a, a new quarterback. But it would have to be a debacle of a season to get a new signal caller at this point. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you on that, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, let's do this. Let's take a pause for the cause, pay a couple bills, and then uh, we'll come back on the second half of the show. Sounds good, everybody. We'll be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, 
a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers are back from the break. Thank you so much for listening. Hitting that subscribe button. Sharing this with a friend. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Derek Okri, D-E-R-E-K-O-K-R-I-E. And you can follow Grifka at Grifka DKC. Grifka, what else we got today? Um, we got in a sort of a little bit of a discussion on the Wednesday show, as, uh, as you mentioned before. But uh, I have a question for you. ESPN is now coming out with a ranking, their position rankings of um, – you know, how they do this, you know, the top quarterbacks. And I believe they had, what, Stafford in at, like, number 10 or something like that. And they break it all down. And, they, and so they always kind of break it down. Like, we asked X amount of GMs, X amount of coaches, X amount of players, and that's where they gather the rankings from. Now, my question is, I mean, we once again had this discussion about, all like, as yourself, you, you do work for PFF, you know, break down a lot of tape, all, all the people for them. And so I, I guess my question to you is, Looking at the rankings, and I think the one I can remember right off the top one, because I think they did left tackle first or offensive tackle, and ESPN had Tyron Smith from the Dallas Cowboys at number one, where PFF has them ranked at number three. So not too much of a difference, but you know, obviously still a top tier. But when you're looking at it, I guess, I mean, who would you put more stock in? Are you putting more stock in you know the guys watch tape, like you said? Or like maybe like the GMs, the coaches, and the players. I mean, both had valid points, but and their lists sometimes do differ. I mean, we have seen that. So, what do you take kind of good from both, or is there one you would really put more stock in than the other one? Now the non-PFF list. I, first, I thought first you said ESPN, but then you said coaches and players. Like, tell me that again of how the that list is. Yeah, ESPN. You know how they do that, and it's always one of those things where they put the articles out ranking them they always ask a certain amount of gms a certain amount of players and a certain okay. amount of coaches and they kind of vote on who they feel and then they comprise the numbers that way to get yeah. their rankings as opposed to somebody sitting at espn you know whoever it may be you know fielding yates or whatever putting out his top 10 so they ask people around the league in the front office coaches and players and um, pff like yourself break down numerous hours of game tape um yeah. And based on certain analytics you guys are looking at to comprise your guys's list. So I, I guess is, is there good and bad in both of them or <laughs> is there one that you would put more stock in than than the other one? <laughs> oh, man, I'm laughing at myself, Griff, because I knew when I asked you just to clear up of what it was that you were going to re-tee up the entire question for me, which you did. But uh, I got you. So it's a it's a compilation of GM or a compilation of GM's players as well as. ESPN sort of taking that and, and making a list of some sort. I mean, the long and short of it, the, you know, 
what's funny is so yeah i I do work for pro football focus and, and do some analytics there i also laugh because i do so many fantasy football leagues and i literally if people saw my process i i never look at stats i don't like i can go through 10 fantasy football drafts and and probably couldn't tell you you know the even the range of stats on based what a guy did last year or what his projected numbers are this year in regards to yards or catches or you know I know some people just rattle off this stuff like it's gospel I mean I don't put a ton of time into knowing all the different stats and numbers but I guess what I do respect now is you know when it comes to GMs and coaches and players I feel like there's a um, again not my favorite guy in the world but uh Oh gosh, who is it? The um, he's got his own podcast now. Oh, what's his name? Used to be a Patriots guy, kind of a heavy set guy. You know, what I'm talking about. Is it? Was it uh, Tannenbaum? Michael, is Mike, that Lombardi. It no? Mike Lombardi. Mike Lombardi. Mike Lombardi. Okay. Podcast, and he always says it's a recency bias, or kind of people have their own biases. You know, and I feel like players really do. Like if they're boys with somebody, or if they played against somebody and he's good against them, you know, they think he's a, he's a real ball player. I guess the reason I put all the stock that I do into pro football focuses numbers is because not only do these guys have crazy analytics on every play that like nobody would ever pay attention to. If you're just like a football fan, you know, you're not counting like, you know, uh, how many times that quarterback dropped back seven yards versus five versus three. Was it quick game? You know, all these different things that they're looking at or, you know, um, you know, what type of coverage uh, all these things are on. Like, you don't have those kind of numbers in front of you, but not only are they tracking the game, but you can pick up a lot during a game of while you're taking those type of numbers and those kind of numbers for the most part, in my opinion, don't lie as much as a opinion of me, you, a player, somebody that might have other biases in play. Like if you watch a game and you grade out if he won or lost on that pass rush, what type of pass rush he did, what his set was before the pass rush, who he was going against, like those are just legit numbers that have been compiled by actual film foot what you put on tape, like they always say. And I feel like more more so than not, you would see those play out where a guy that was really productive on all these different metrics, they're not going to watch a guy and he might be good in two metrics and give him some crazy, you know, overall rating or, or say this guy's an incredible football player. But if they look at his, his body of work and say like, man, for four years, this guy graded out really well in all the things that are important for a wide receiver defensive end, like... I feel like that is something to hang your hat on of that's probably going to translate to the next level and much more so than maybe height, weight, speed, or some of the other things that we get latched onto. So long and short, I mean, I guess I would put more stock into the actual, not only numbers, but the, the tracking, you know, the actually taking note of all these little nuances in the game more so than a general opinion. But like I said, with me, fantasy football and even in general, like I'm much more where I kind of have a feel for a player, but also if I can have that feel for, Hey, I really like the way this guy plays. I think he's going to blow up or have a really good season. I mean, it'd be ideal too, if that's backed up by, by other experts that think that, or guys that have put in those time and effort to sort of support that as well. So I started to lean more that way, but when it comes to my fantasy football or sometimes my opinions, they are much more based on like, I feel like this guy's good or I feel like he, um, you know, has upside or is going to have a big season more so than I can prove it to you a hundred percent, 
you know, based on X, Y, and Z, but X, Y, and Z is getting more and more important to me the more that I learn about it. Okay. Uh, I actually have a couple of follow-up questions for you on this. Um, say, when you break down tape, if you were to ask, you said was it um, the term that um, Lombardi used, uh, the bias. Do you, say you're asked to watch a guy that you know, you know, and it's kind of in your mindset, you know, you know, Derek, we want you to watch Matt Stafford and you like Matt Stafford or Kenny Galladay and you like what he's doing in your mind. Are you looking at him with him at a different eye? Maybe when you go and grade out what he's doing, or you you might think he's like doing a little better. Or if you don't like a guy as much, you might think he's doing a little worse than what he might actually be doing. Would the same be said for what you do? Yeah, I think, you know, where I'm at with that right now is there's different levels, you know, of of pro football focus. There's people that do the actual grading per se. And then there's, um, you know, when you're starting out, you're doing more just straight up what happened on this play type of data where I'm not sitting down at the end of the game and having a feel for how this guy graded out or, you know, the stuff I do for them now, mostly there's no wiggle room. There's no, oh, this is uh, Justin Fields. I don't really like him. I'm going to downgrade him or, or give him this type of bias. Like I'm doing more like, okay, on a play that I watch for the Ohio State Buckeyes, unfortunately, I don't know why I brought them up on the show, but I recently did one of their games. You know, you'll be watching their quarterback and on a play, you know, you're, you're first looking at, you know, how, how deep was his drop? What was the coverage pre and post snap? Then you, then you're grading, you know, things like, you know, did he go to his first read or second? Was he looking at left or right side of the field? Did he come off his first read? What type of throw did he do? Was it a vertical um, over the shoulder throw? Was it a swing pass? You know, was it accurate? If not, you know, was it high, low? They have all these different categories. So you're basically just logging what happened on the play and then they're able to take all that and then push it along the assembly line basically to the next guy who's then not only using your data but getting to that point where based on all the stuff that you've compiled on this team and this play then they're grading out the individual players so that's kind of how the general process works so i'm literally just watching games and logging like 15 to 20 things on every play um, based on what happened and then you know like i say they get to some point where all that's compiled and saying, okay, based on what we collected, like Justin Fields made the right read on this play or, you know, through an accurate pass, or he's really good against a cover four based on all these analytics of all these cover four plays that we've diagnosed that he's thrown against, you know, that's kind of how the process works in a general sense. You know, I don't want to get into too many of the other details that I've kind of seen, but there's so many different levels to it. You're definitely more so breaking down the nuts and bolts where I'm at on that, the the first few levels. And then as you, as you grow, you get more to the, okay, now I got all this data. Now put a grade to this game, this player, this, this set of plays, you know, they might tell you just to grade, you know, cover threes for a certain team based on what data was collected. And then you, you put grades on that, you know, it's kind of segmented that way. That helps. Okay. So, I mean, just once again, not trying to make it all about PFF. So like your tendency to think like either you think, you know, Justin feels he's great. So what you're breaking down, what he's looking at, you're just, like you said, you're just compiling daily to go to the next guy. And there's probably what a number of different guys given a certain guy data. And then he goes, okay, this is what he's at. So no matter how you feel about Justin's fields, you're still kind of breaking down. This is what he did. This is what he did. This is what he did. 
Yeah, yeah. That, like at least what I do, it's it's not more like uh, I wouldn't have the bias because I I can't say, oh, I'm gonna call this ball accurate when it really was inaccurate. You know, I'm much more gonna just grade it based on what it was and and what I saw on film. Like you said, there's a little bit of interpretation there. Like I could have seen something that you know, I called back shoulder when really it was, you know, a little bit of a different throw to another guy that watches the same play. We were just going over that with some people recently where there's a few things you can see differently and, and one isn't necessarily right or wrong in those circumstances where other times you could call or, or see something and they'll, they'll correct it. You know, if I call it a, a cover for a cloud and ends up being a, a, a two deep, you know, Tampa two, they, they make those corrections as well. There's like a review process. So it goes through a bunch of channels and, and maybe the guy at the end that's actually putting a, Oh, Justin Fields had an 88 grade on this game. You know, there's some interpretation there, but it's based on a lot of data collection, not just, Oh, I watched him and it looked like he completed a lot of passes and ran a few times. So he gets X amount or he gets a above average grade. Like that's not how it works. Okay. Okay. So if you were starting a team or if you were looking at that and you were trying to grade stuff out, you know, starting team. So are you going to lean towards more the PFF way or are you going to kind of lean towards more the ESPN way, taking advice from other GMs, players and coaches? Yeah. I mean, in short, like I, if I was a GM and I was building a team, like I would have, I think the biggest thing you have to have is like a, you know, what's your framework? What are the principles you're going to live and die by, you know, on how you build your team, you got to start there, whether it's trenches and back, or you're, you're going to build a great offense, you know, whatever your, your plan is going to be, you got to work that plan. And I would be much more of using my instinct on players as well as just, you know, um, you know, getting advice from these scouts that spend all year, you know, watching these players. That's where I think you have to sort of, even if you're the top leader, you have to be kind of humble enough or be willing to say, Hey, George, what do you think of this guy? You've been watching him all year, every game, every tape. I've only seen X amount of him. And then you got to lean on those guys to t- give you the right type of advice, but analytics comes into it, but I would probably use my scouts, my staff and my own judgment and then try to back it up when needed with data analytics. But I would definitely lean towards, like I said, the reason I give pro football focus the nod is because anytime I look at a valuation or a thought they have on a player, I know they didn't just make it up. You know, I know they didn't like some of these national writers, they'll, they'll write something and they, they've never watched a lions game in their life. You know, they've never spent time breaking down the team. You know, I'm very confident that's definitely not the case with some of these organizations out there. Like these guys have watched them. They've broken things down. They've collected a lot of data. Not, hey, I watch. You'll hear scouts sometimes or draft experts say, well, I watched three games of this player. Well, I understand you can't watch like 10 games on every player, but I'm much more willing to take pro football focuses grades over a three, four year period than, hey, you watch three ball games against the SEC talent. So now you know what this guy can do. I mean, you still got to use the eyeball test, but I think you're selling yourself short if you think that you can just watch a few games, even if it's every play, you know, cut up and say, okay, I'm, I'm good on this guy. I think you'd much rather lean on, on the data that's provided over a longer period. Okay. Okay. Good takes, man. Good takes. I like your point of view on that. Um, yeah, it's, one last thing. Say, it's, it's interesting, but it's also, it's funny for me to say, because I readily admit to you, like, 
I think some people that see the amount of craziness I do in fantasy football think I'm sitting at home all night long coming up with my rankings and 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 making all these trades and literally like I can roll with the draft with my plan, a few parameters. I've double checked them with some stats and then I basically only make trades like when somebody comes to me and says, "Hey, you know, would you want to deal this guy or would you be willing? And then that's when I I pull a deal off, you know? So I think sometimes we, we take it even more like it's more time consuming than it really is when really if you have a fuel for football, you know football and you have your game plan, then it's just a matter of how much stats do you want to know and, and have your finger on as well as, you know, it doesn't take that, that long to pull off a football trade, to be honest. I'd love to see an NFL one go down in real life because I bet it's as simple as Bob Quinn knows the whole NFL. Somebody calls him. He either loves the player or he doesn't and, you know, is willing to deal or not. You know, I don't think it's much harder than that sometimes. Like, yeah, there's money involved, but some of this stuff, not only is it a feel, but it's not, it's not a time issue is what I'm trying to say. It's just, it's just sort of, you know, rolling with the punches and and doing what you think and then backing it up with certain things that are important to you. So I think that's the fun part is people saw me, they'd be like, man, you spend no time on like data per se, but like I still have a good feel for how I want to build my squads or, or who I want to trade with and what, what I'll give up for certain players. You know, I have a, a feel for that, even though I don't break it down to the decimal point. I'd have to say, because I know, there's people, like you said, they just put hours and hours and hours of work in fantasy football. And, and, you know, sometimes they win, sometimes they don't. So, okay. (laughs) Go ahead. I just wanted to say, like, when you're doing a 32-team league with a full roster, like, I know when I showed you that, you were like, oh, no no thank you, you know, because you think it's just so all-encompassing. But And I've had other buddies that have joined and are just like, nope. But... The more I do it, the more it does feel like a GM. Like I, Bob Quinn's not sitting in the office twenty four seven mulling over all these players. Like he's he's sticking to his plan as well as if somebody calls him up and wants to offer him, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, he just hangs up the phone on them. You know, like it's simple as that. Like it's not. Well, let me go look at the stats. It's just like no, he's old and we don't want him, and it's that simple. And the same for other evaluations we do where there's some guys, Hey, let me go pull out his four year PFF and take a look, you know? So it just depends. But like I say, don't overthink that it's brain surgery, but also we can't take some of these opinions as gospel when they haven't spent the time or don't have the backup. Cause you know how that goes with work. Sometimes people want to see the backup or want to see, well, why do you think that way? And sometimes you got to have it. And sometimes you're like, I got a hunch on this guy. You know, it just depends. So it's it's very interesting. That's why I love the personnel in the off season because there's so many ways to go about it. Like you listen to some people and they got every stat on the tip of their tongue, but they still don't know players. You know, and vice versa. You may think you know players, but you you have no idea what he's done over a four year span in regards to catches, yards, touchdowns. I mean, that can hurt you too. So it's just really interesting across the board. We'll keep it moving, Grifka, but I could talk for days on it. Okay. Um, I do like good takes though, man. Good take. I like the information. Um, last thing I want to touch base on here really quick for, uh, we call this a, call us a day and go into our weekend. Um, I know, like I said, not for sure how training camp's going to look. And you pointed that out, you know, <laughs> so, uh, my question to you is, you know, with 
when training camps open, they're obviously not going to allow fans in. And I will miss going to this year's training camp with you. And uh, what are the things that you're really going to miss about not being able to go to Lions training camp this year? You know, you know what's funny, Grifka, is like I, I'm such a a football fan. I'm trying to to make it into a career and whatnot to some degree, but. I got to say, like, some of the things about, you know, we've probably been a season ticket holder for eight, ten years now, whatever it is, and uh, there's definitely some elements that have rubbed off, because I remember in the beginning just almost being amazed that we could go to camp and get to sit there and get a few autographs, see these players up close, and and the last couple of years, it's almost been, I don't know why, but it almost seems like sometimes more of a nuisance, like, by the time I get up, get to your house, which is a couple hours away, we drive down, we get there, we get in, you know, sit up at the top row, watch the practice, and then be done with it. It's kind of like, you know, it's a full day gone when, yeah, it's fun to be outside watching football. And I know like Eric Schlitt and those guys are putting in hard work doing like the actual kind of reporting. You know, I'm doing some some articles for Lions Wire, which is fun for me. But, you know, it's it's not a, a day-to-day job at this point for me, but there's some of the shine I think that rubs off when you continue to go to the same you know, the Lions, they changed their setup, you know, the last few years, make it real family friendly and nice. But I don't know, there's something about it where I can almost get a lot more from watching games from home and doing some of the other things I'm doing than to be there in person, I guess is what I'm trying to say. As much as, like you said, we have fun sitting up there with our, you know, talking about players and seeing what we see from guys and making cracking jokes and whatnot. But I don't know. There's something about me that really likes to just be at home and, and catch these games on TV more so than drive down, park, do all the, the, the stuff it takes to go to an event these days. But like you say, I guess I'll, I'll miss the camaraderie of, of being there with you. You know, I, I don't think the eye test is totally void. You know, there's something of being there in person and seeing a guy explode or seeing him run a route or seeing the ball come off Matt Stafford's hand. That's really cool. But it's definitely has a little bit less luster than it used to for me in regards to been there, done that type of thing and really just want to enjoy all the other aspects I get to do now, which is the draft stuff, the fantasy football stuff, the even the articles I get to do are really fun. I mean, I don't need to see these guys or report on exactly what's happening to be able to write a, a fun article on a certain topic or a, a fantasy football piece. So I guess you know, I put my time and my joy a little bit more into that than I do when, like, I first got my tickets. I was like, oh, man, I get to go to camp. I get to go to a game in person. Now it's kind of like me and you have fun at a game a year, and we go to we go to TC once a year usually, and that's probably – that's usually my fill, you know. So I'm not really going into this year going like, oh, man, I'm going to miss out on – a ton. It might actually be more of a fun year if all the games go off the schedule and I get to sit here in the old air conditioned um, apartment here in the Oakry scouting office and just bust out football, you know, rather than be there and be in the mix because like I say, reporting or being at events, it's, it can be strenuous at times, you know? Yeah, I hear the drive down, trying to sneak into the parking lot and have some parking. You go, hey, you can't park here. Then we're forced to park, you know, a country mile away. <laughs> What's fun is like every year when we go down, I always I always tell you like, let's go try the lot again, knowing that we're not going to be able to get in. But I always want to try it again to see if we can squeak by the guy. See if we can be smooth enough to do it. I mean, <laughs> and then, sometimes uh, like another thing you said, um, what what album this is just I always like going down. We went there and we were always kind of looking for the rookies 
to see what they looked like. It was always like, yeah, they had like, you know, some OTAs and stuff, but really, you know, first, you know, full team training camps and stuff like that, seeing how they do, seeing, you know, really, like you said, the eye test at that point, seeing, seeing what they looked like as opposed to just, you know, game film or, you know, highlights when they got drafted. That was always cool to do. And, you know, it's one thing I will miss. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it's going to be a whole different year. I think, like I said, if everybody just keeps it in their brain, just chalk up this year as watching from home and enjoying it in a different way. And then hopefully in 2021, everything gets back to normal and you can go back to taking your kids down and can go back to some of these people that go to every game. And that's what they live for is that Sunday morning. You know, there's nobody that really likes a good quality tailgate more than me. But, you know, at some point, too, it's pretty nice to wake up in the sweatpants and make a good breakfast and get fired up for the game and 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 be at home and do that as well. So, like I say, it's going to be a different year. Just get ready for it. And like I say, there was always some fun moments that we that we had for sure of doing all types of things down there to entertain ourselves. But I think we'll do fine with not having it this year and, you know. Will we get football is the big question, which you've talked a lot about. And every day it seems dicey. And I know there's lots of people on Twitter that don't want to hear about why we're not going to have it. They just want to hold their breath and hope that we will. And I like that positive attitude, but you just got to be open to everything this year and roll with the punches, I think. So we'll see what happens. But hopefully, uh, you know, we'll either be back next year doing that or just kind of see what happens in life, but definitely some good memories of not only going down, but our tailgates going to the ball games we've been to has always been fun. And like you say, in the small doses too, I, I guarantee I couldn't take uh, eight home games and two preseason games with you, but one game a year with you. And then maybe my buddy chops or some other friends that might be in town going to one or two games a year has really been fun for me the past, what, probably seven, six, seven years now. We've probably done that really consistently. So that's been tremendous. Yep. Like you said, just hopefully, you know, once again, everybody stay safe. We have some sort of football, even if there's no fans in the stands. And like you said, see where life takes us and uh, go from there. No doubt, man. We'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, good, good stuff today. We got into some of the little details about, uh, behind the scenes football as well as some of the team building strategies I have uh, you know we'll see what happens you got me all fired up on Mike Florio I mean don't bring his name up again I might have to go on another rant but I think the people want to know Grifka do you have anything else that's I don't know stupendous tremendous uh, absolutely astounding like earth shattering maybe something that would just shock the world here at the end of the show for the people uh Nope. I had a feeling you might say that, but thank you guys so much for listening. It's been a tremendous show. We got uh, fired up and had some fun on Wednesday, beat Grifka up a little bit, which is always a good time. He came back at me, got me fired up on a Friday by mentioning these ridiculous articles that he reads and these personalities and people that have no clue about the Detroit Lions or anything else with football for that matter. He even slipped in a soccer reference. Everybody will be back next week talking all things Detroit Lions right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. We're out. Pack the bag, stop the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.